All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to the intro. Sitting down with Connor Murphy and Max Isaac today for episode 110. What's up, fellas? Usually, How you, doing? you usually say something like nice about us, like yeah, like, ah, here, here with my main men, the nicest guys, the sweetest dudes. Nah, um, not then, today. No, today you're kind of all business. You're like, I know these guys; they've been around. All right, whatever. Well, I like you a lot. Well, pre-recording, you came in hot uh, on my hat, asked me whether or not it was a hat that I bought when I was in fifth grade. And, <laughs> so I don't know whether or not you deserve all the accolades this morning, to be honest. That's that's fair. But just so you know, you you forget what it's like to be in Massachusetts. If we're ripping on you, we love you. Remember that if if somebody if somebody's from Mass and they're giving you a little bit of a tough time, that's our love language. And on the flip side, if you meet somebody from Mass and they're not commenting at all on anything, bad news. You gotta you gotta be careful. So later, yeah. So I essentially just said I love you by ripping on your hat. So I love you, dog. But Ma- Massachusetts is a really interesting place. It's the Boston area specifically, a very like blue collar. Everybody's very proud, angry all the time. Everybody's always wet, <laughs> <laughs> wet and cold. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Chowder nonstop, 365, 24-7, hot bowl of chowder. Oh, I, I'll i be honest with you. I think I've maybe had, like, clam chowder once in my life. Like, that's – Connor, have you ever – like, do you ever crave a bowl of clam chowder? Is that something that, <laughs> that comes up often for you? Yeah, it's, like, second behind, like, the lobster roll. Like, I haven't eaten, like, a ton of, of either of those. but you know what's always funny is that i'll always get it in areas outside of boston for some reason i'll be somewhere else and i'll be like oh they have new england clam chowder let's try that you're in in arizona completely landlocked (laughs) you're like 110 degrees outside at the pool like a hot soup to kick off the day (laughs) yeah humidity's at a thousand can i get a can i get a clam chowder with a lobster roll just sweating just pouring down (laughs) It is, it is very interesting though how different cities take on different personalities. I mean, it's tough to argue that Boston is not like a hard-nosed, blue-collar city, and it's. uh, I, I think it's it's really funny when you go other places and like people are so different. Like you know, New York is very different. California is very different. Boston's very different. Yeah, I was uh, I was in Maine this past weekend and. Everybody was just super nice. It was very weird, you know, again, because I'm used to used to being in Boston where it's like you ask anybody for, for anything. It's like you're asking for their firstborn kid. But I was in I was in Maine and everybody's just so great and gracious. I was actually uh, I was a little bit I was a little bit suspect. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. So I feel like if you're from Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, you have to be nice. Like you can't can't not be nice and be from those places. They're just so like everybody lives in log cabins in those areas. <laughs> I think in Boston, you just see too many people. So you just get disgruntled by the amount of people that you're seeing that are kind of in the same attitude. But when you're out in the rural areas, it's like you see someone, you're stoked. Hey, <laughs> That's such a good point, Connor. There's a person over there. How are you? <laughs> in, in, in St. Thomas, too. It's like everyone, it's like part of their culture. Everyone says good morning, good afternoon, and good night, which was weird at first to me that people would say good night because that's usually in like U.S. customs, like like you're going to bed. And But like anything like in the evening, people are like, oh, good night, how are you? Um, but everyone always greets no matter what. I remember sitting outside of a coffee shop, Barefoot Buddha. One I've been them. there, great spot. You know what, I was talking about this the other day. You know where else we've all been on separate occasions? Duffy's Love Shack. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't know if we got to talk about that right now, but <laughs> we all have been there. <laughs> I uh I actually um don't remember going there, but I'm sure I've been there. I was very tired, so it's hard for me to remember things when I'm tired. It was a long day on the boat. It was the yes. far across from Exo. Ah, yes. Oh, I do. I do remember. It was a great time. It's a lovely establishment. Lots of good, lots of good times in St. Thomas. It's very interesting also that we all came up in the Boston area. Why do you guys think Boston became such a melting pot for like CrossFit 
fitness coaching and everything else going on. It was like everybody was there at one time. I think Boston has one of the, and only because of experience now, what is outside of CrossFit, because I 100% agree with you on the CrossFit side of things. But I think Boston has one of the most prominent fitness communities in the US. However, Ooh. probably not highlighted enough because you know you look at an area like San Diego because everyone is outside, everyone is wearing minimal clothing. But in a place like Boston, I think the, I think Boston is a very, very prominent fitness city. I don't know why. I think mm. maybe in the CrossFit world because kind of CrossFit New England started off as that mecca with obviously quality coaching, but then athletes, right? And, you know, the, one of the first gyms to win the affiliate cup when it started kind of getting a little bit more promotion rather than when it was just kind of the backyard barbecue style. And so that was kind of a place where people gravitated to. But I th it, it has to be something more than that because even like spin, cycle, hit, Pilates, all of that, it's just, I mean, there's so many different studios and so many people that are actively involved in this community. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. You well, sound like a Wikipedia article right now, by the way. You sound like so educated on the history wow. of Boston fitness. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm wrapped up in the words right now, Connor. Yeah, Connor's going to tell you, it actually wasn't Paul Revere riding a horse. Paul Revere <laughs> ran from Boston <laughs> through Lexington. It's actually the very first marathon was done by Paul Revere. The first root uh, strap. So it wasn't was Athens, Greece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was It was done in Boston. I, Connor, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think another big part of this, and this is something that, that you and MDV can speak to a lot of, is um, Reebok and Canton. I felt mm. like... So, you know, I came up at CrossFit New England and actually I know that Ben had a hand in, in starting, uh, what was that, what was that Reebok? And then, um, if I'm not, not mistaken before Austin, it was, it was Dave Lipson. Is that right? Yeah. Dave. Um, yeah. Dave and Camille. And so, right. So, you know, Reebok at one point, I mean, it was like a who's who of coaches uh, and it, and it was more than CrossFit. I know you guys are doing a lot there. So, I mean, that definitely could be, could be a really big part of it. Now, you know, Reebok is still a, a big part of the fitness uh, architecture of, of Boston right now. So maybe that could be part of it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I definitely agree. It's really, I think it's interesting to think about because um, you know, in, in, like Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers, he talks about a lot of this stuff where it's like you have these different congregations of people who happen to be at the right place and the right time. Um, and it sparks this like explosion of talent and creativity and like it proliferates the thing so much faster. And he gives many examples about this. You know, one of the famous examples was the Beatles and how they all for some reason ended up on this like same street in the same studio and then practice nonstop together. But I think uh, something similar happened in, in Boston. You had, like Connor mentioned, a core group of people, very early adopters for some reason, pick up CrossFit in this one uh, concentrated area because it was a largely a West coast thing. It was largely like Santa Cruz and then part of like, the Bay area. And then I think it went up into like a couple of places in Washington. Um, and then it jumped across coasts and he had a couple of big uh, population centers in Boston, New York, and, and those places became really hot. But in Boston in particular, you're right. The CEO of Reebok, uh, Matt O'Toole at the time, I believe he was taking classes at CrossFit New England, or somehow heard about CrossFit right. through Chad Whitman, who was like a young and up and coming executive at Reebok. He was like a former lacrosse player. Cool had, dude. Had, yeah, very successful career at Reebok, did a lot of really cool stuff. And he was really into CrossFit. And I think him and Matt O'Toole kind of brought this thing across the goal line because it was so it was, it was younger at the point, And I think they had to see uh, this vision. I think they had to really buy in and push it a little bit beyond where it was to make the Reebok CrossFit partnership happen. And I don't think that that happens unless you get somebody like Matt O'Toole really into the style of training, the CEO, the actual CEO of Reebok was taking classes at CrossFit New England. And then Ben and Heather went over to Reebok before 
Reebok CrossFit one opened up and we're running classes for employees and talking to them about CrossFit. Yeah. I don't think that relationship happens without the actual buy-in. You know, I've seen people try to be partners with other brands, big brands partnering with other things and like, yeah, we're going to do this thing. We're going to be invested, but they were already invested. And I think mm. that's why the partnership actually happened with CrossFit and Reebok relative to a lot of the others is because it was genuine. You know, Chad was doing CrossFit and his family did CrossFit and they're like, these guys get it. And it wasn't that, Hey, the partnership happened. And then, you know, they stopped doing it. I mean, you know, Matt O'Toole was every time he was in town and he could go to class, he was cutting out that hour of his day, which, I mean, this is kind of goes off topic of why Boston is popular in fitness culture, but he was cutting off that hour of his day to make sure that he trained. Maybe he should, you know, maybe he was a little bit late, but was always after class being like, Hey guys, round of applause for our coaches. How amazing is it that we have this and so bought in that it unconsciously gave every other employee the right to be like, I can focus on fitness. I don't have to feel bad about going to do this. And that culture over there, it was like everyone was training. Everyone mm. was doing something, whether it was CrossFit or running or soccer on the field. It was almost as if, if you were the sedentary person smoking cigarettes at the back of the building, like you weren't going to last long because you just didn't have that much in common with people. And that trickles down from the top, which, you know, you met referencing Matt O'Toole was, is a really cool kind of like thought process to think back about all the stuff that that did happen there. Yeah, I mean the 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 culture at Reebok at least at least from the time that I can remember and was there um, around the kickoff of the CrossFit partnership and um, certainly when I started working there as a, as a, a trainer, it was really a cool place to work. Um, there were there were years at Reebok in which you know, the culture of the company was 100% centered around making sure that the employees were being physically active during work hours. Like it was part of what they wanted you to do. They wanted you to go to the gym. They wanted you to run the track. They wanted you to play basketball. They wanted you to, to go do the fitness classes. They wanted you to come on over to the CrossFit gym, which was maybe like a 400 meter walk from the quote unquote main building of uh, Reebok HQ when it was in Canton, Massachusetts. It was this huge sprawling campus. It like kind of looked like a college um, and uh, felt very fortunate to work there during those years. And when CrossFit was really on fire at Reebok, you know, the first like Gosh, I don't, I can't even quote the years, but like, it took a little bit to kind of pick up some steam there. I think the first couple of years, people were a little, you know, hesitant or, or trying it out and seeing what it was all about. But at one point it absolutely caught fire at the company. And I think it was like 50% of the people who were working at Reebok were taking CrossFit classes actively, which was wow. really, really cool. There were 550 people that were like paying members of that gym. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was super legit. It was super legit. I know it like um, probably from the outward uh, observer's perspective, it's hard to imagine that, you know, a company like Reebok, such a big company that's got so much resources and, you know, a, a brand name had such a personal connection to um, CrossFit. But it really did. I think that there were years in there in which you had people who were genuinely diehard CrossFit fanatics who found this style of training through the partnership. And then absolutely, it absolutely changed their life. And um, a lot of the people who worked on the CrossFit partnership, you know, producing materials, producing um, the footwear, the apparel, all that kind of stuff, those people especially were all not only. Uh, personally involved in it, but they were expected. They, the company wanted those people to be very involved in it. And that was one of the things that when I transitioned from coaching at Reebok to like going to work on the CrossFit partnership in the quote unquote main building, um, that was a really cool thing to see is that they wanted me to still keep that like genuine connection to the community. Kind of a funny story just to add in on top of that, how invested they were in CrossFit and getting people to come over and do it because they were so invested from the top up. I remember Austin telling me a story about like a deal that Dan Lipson had when he was there, where it was like every employee that actually signed up, you got this like big stipend bonus. 
And then when it naturally blew up, when Austin was there and it was like, oh, they signed up 300 members this last year. They were like, um, yeah, so according to your contract, we owe you like $160,000. We're not going to pay it. We're not going to pay it. <laughs> this yeah, is not- <laughs> all allegedly, by the way. We don't we don't have the facts behind this, but I remember that story as well. They, send up, they set up uh, Dave Lipson with like a sweetheart deal when he first came there, of like incentivizing him for every member that joined uh, with a bonus. And it turned out like, it just exploded. <laughs> I don't know if they made if they made good on the promise to pay him, but that's kind of like when um, when they first started signing big name athletes. Like Reebok was out there signing everybody, everybody under the sun, except yeah, Connor got signed. I got uh, signed. not a big deal bonus there for me, but I still got signed. Professional that's, athlete, baby. That's that's pretty amazing to yeah. even get signed to anything, you know. You know, we're at Latin America, a little easier down there, but you know, who are the big players right now? I guess it's really noble, right? Noble. No, there's a ton of other companies. Tier is uh tier is in. Like, oh yeah. T Y R in the crosses. Mm-hmm. Space. I mean, they're, they're kind of doing the same approach that Reebok was doing and really picking up a lot of athletes. They have a ton of, of really high level athletes and, uh, so Rachel's actually in charge. She works on like the partnership side of working with the athletes. And yeah, I mean, they're going, I haven't ever worn any of their products. I haven't, I mean, I wear their wetsuits when I, when I swim, that was where they, I think traditionally were and lived in that space and did really yeah, they were well. A swim company. And now they're transferring into the CrossFit space, but they've got some good athletes and they're like present at a lot of different, um, you know, a lot of different events you know, people are still wearing Metcons and Nikes. I'm pretty sure Nike's just like, whatever, like, yeah, we make great shoes. So we're not going to spend too much more on this. Like we've got Frazier. And so they were, um, they were the lead sponsor of Wadapalooza this year. Um, TYR. T-Y-R. Yeah. yeah. And their, their shoes are really good. I have a, I have a pair of shoes from them. The other, the other company that's in the space right now that I really like is, is rad. Um, and they, they're doing essentially what Noble did and what sneaker companies have been doing for, for years, you know, like what Noble did, I think we've talked about this before, if not uh, incredibly unique, right? Like they're, they're doing limited drop shoes and, you know, not, not re-releasing and it worked really well for Noble. And aesthetically, I like the way the rads look better better than noble and they've they've signed a couple couple cool athletes you know and that they have uh, daniel brandon and laura horvath so i mean those are i mean laura horvath definitely top five athlete right now i'd probably put daniel brandon in the in the top 10 so i think laura um, horvath is ranked in like the new system number two which i think is actually kind of cool how they have like the old like ranking system yeah me too i uh i like i I like that as well i mean the only um, Connor, you have somebody who's checking facts over there. Do you know what, 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 well, well, we, well, we always make the joke, Connor, that we don't have anybody to, to check anything during this, but I think you actually may have a staff. I'm curious how Laura Horvath did in 23.3, because I know that strict handstand pushups are like a tough, a tough movement for her. Um, but other than that, Laura Horvath is freaking insanely awesome. Um, Weapon. Hey, Hurley, can you look up? Laura, go to, go to games.crossfit.com and look up Laura Horvath's performance in 23.3. You may have to click. This is what it, this is is what, this is what it looks like when you have a staff. I I feel like this is what Joe Rogan must feel like, like, Hey, Hurley, can you look this up for us, please? Thank you so much, Hurley. I appreciate that. Connor, you're about a thousand times cooler than Joe Rogan could ever be. So I don't know how true that is. No. No, I'm hanging that's out with true. Dana White that's today. True. So, Ooh. I mean, I might put him, in, cool. put him in a headlock. Oh no, he gets <laughs> both of those guys. Kidding. Both of those guys would press. Like people forget. Like even though they're like stepped out of it, both Dana White and Joe Rogan would beat up ninety nine point nine percent. They are both killers. They are both absolute weapons. I'm sure those guys are going everywhere with security that a lot of people don't know about. I mean, I can't imagine that Dana White goes anywhere without having a ton of personal security. Were you at Reebok when we did the UFC event? Uh, Scores. Sorry. 
Well, were you out you? In, a, in a tickle fight, but no, I don't know if I was there. For that. <laughs> so we had, um, hold on, we got our scores up here. You got to go to, uh, the 2023, um, that's only 2022. For some reason, like the, the open scores are all, all weird. It's only showing like 2022, but, um, either way, we'll get back to it. Dana White took over the coach's office when we did like the pre-fight uh, kind of like showcase upstairs in the ring, but he took over that and he had, you know, when there's security. So, I mean, I've worked a lot in the private security space. They've got the big guys who are you're like, okay, that person's there because they're a big object. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're doing what they were meant Physically to do. imposing. Yep. And then you have the guys that yep. you're like, this person is a killer and it doesn't matter what they look like he had both he had people that were not one and the other but both in the same there was like an english lad who was probably six seven with just super long arms couldn't have been a nicer human yet when you look at him in the eyes you're like okay he just stared into I, my skull you're like okay this I, is i I thought you were going to say something like he had this big guy and then the big guy opens a coat and inside of the coat is the small guy. You know what I mean? Like, like, like there's some, like, like some massive dude and you're like, Oh, that's the big dude. And then you open the coat and just inside, like, yeah, that's the small dude. He's the killer. Like that. I hope Ventura where he turns around and the guy gets out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, ex yes, exactly. Yes. That's the, if, if if you if you ever get security, that's what you have to have. The super big guy and then the teeny guy strapped in the backpack. I hope they both have like super English accents, but the guy who's in the coat has like a very cockney accent where he's like, ready for action, governor, when he opens up the coat. <laughs> um well, Laura Horvath, uh, 118th place. Um, was not her worst finish. She finished third in 23-1. She finished 2,081st on 22-1A, 32nd in 23.2B, and then 118th place with 292 reps. Did not finish. And that's what I was talking about with someone else too, is that when there's a, when there's a gaping hole like that in your game, I don't know if number one, unless everything plays out really well for you, is going to be in the cards. Anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Matt. No, that's uh, – I mean – even just to think about like that type of placing in the open, it's still insanely awesome. Like mm. I, I, we said this last week um, that even getting one rep at that final barbell in 22.3 is wild to me. Yeah, you're a weapon. Yes. <laughs> uh, and we said last week that it was impressive that, that James finished. I thought that was, that was really outstanding. He's such, and, and this is, sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot. I had to call him after that because there were some workouts where he'd send me his times before the open. And I'm like, that's, that wasn't your time. You're fitter than that. And he's like, I'm just not that fit right now. And then finishes that. He says that every week. Such, you're such every week. Oh, I just well, accidentally finished the hardest workout that no one else in the world finished. Like, oops, like that doesn't just happen, you dick. Connor, when, when I went out to Colorado and stayed with James and we got to train together, I essentially got my ass handed to me every single day in any way that we trained. And when I got out there, I'm like, dude, so how's training being? He's like, I really don't even train that much anymore. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, that's obviously either not true or you're just crazy fit, but yeah. Um, always always so so impressive to uh to see see what james is able to do so yeah i mean for anybody out there who has never trained with somebody who was a competitive games athlete at the highest level and i mean i'm sure that a lot of people have trained with very fit individuals and there's athletes who walk into the gym who do really well on workouts and there's people who might have done well in the open but if you have never had the what's that word you have, if you've never had the benefit of training next to somebody who was a games athlete at the highest level it's a whole fucking different world it's a different world those people are yes. built differently physically mentally emotionally it's when they are performing some of these workouts that we look at as being impossible or feats of strength or athleticism or whatever it 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 is 
completely out of the realm of possibility between your own ears on what some of these people can do. It like, and I yeah. think that was one of the coolest parts of working at Reebok for so many years was like, you had nonstop exposure to the best athletes in the world at the time coming in and training on a nearly a weekly basis. But also, you know, I think people like James, you know, guys that and girls that have been at the top of the sport for close to 10 years, I, I don't think that those skills leave them and that fitness leaves them so quickly. So even though James might not be training at the same clip that he was training when he was living, literally living down in Cookville, Tennessee, training with Rich every day, he probably still has way more fitness than the average human being will ever be able to imagine. Yeah, not even achieve, but like you said, imagine. Imagine. People don't realize, like you could even in your head be like, though this was my goal. Like James is going to be fitter than that and forever. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it, is, it is insane, the disconnect. And, it's, and it also comes from like, you know, the movement quality side of things. Like you've seen people that are not as good of movers that when they don't train as competitively, they'll, they'll take more of a backseat. Their fitness will take more of a backseat. But for someone like James, you're like, it was just the positions that he puts himself in, the work that he's done and to move that well is just, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about him. He's not even here to, to hear it, but. Yeah, he, could, he couldn't even make the podcast. Let's relax for a second, all right? So. <laughs> you know why? Because he's fucking training. <laughs> he probably is yeah, off somewhere yeah. training in the Russian wilderness right now. But we know that Lucy's listening. So, Lucy, thank hey, you very Liz. much yeah. for the gift of Mr. James Hobart. And let's give a shout out to Mrs. Max Isaac. Uh, what's your mom's first name, Max? You should know that it's Erica. I'm kind of embarrassed that you don't, but that's all right. Well, we always call Lucy Lucy. We never. We always just call your mom Mudda a mom. <laughs> yeah, Mudda. Yeah, my mom. Uh, my mom went to the gym today. The workout was Grace or Isabel. My mom chose violence. She said both. I'm gonna do both. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But. Uh, but yeah, the workout today was was Grace or Isabel. That's a good question, Connor. What are you mm -hmm. picking, Grace or Isabel? Depends. Am I training alone or with other people? Whatever you want, baby. This is the, we're we're in your fantasy world, so God, I can only imagine what's happening. Oh no, no, no! Yeah. We can't go into Connor's fantasy world right now. <laughs> the three oh, of oh, us yeah. this is, together. This is a, this is a family show. Yeah, Connor, family what are you show. picking? Three three of uh, us together. Grace or Isabel? What are we doing? Isabel. Okay. For the well, sole reason that Matt, I just lost that workout. <laughs> Matt, Grace, I think Matt, Matt probably is, you know, he's got way more of a shot of beating me and Grace and Isabel. So I would choose. Yeah, MD, M, M, MDV low-key good at Grace. Yeah. Um, for a little bit of time. But when we uh, if we lower the barbell to 115, oh, definitely, definitely good at Grace. There was this weird specialist. 20 pound difference for me where 115 was a hot knife through butter, nearly every movement, but 135, it was, it was a little touch and go there it would depend on whether or not I had enough duct tape on my body to hold it together at the time. <laughs> something about those so, yellow plates in that Del Valley, man, I'm telling you, he had yellow yeah. plates in the bottom, winning the workout. It didn't winning. matter what it was. He could be doing oh. overhead lunges, but as soon, oh, God. as soon as blue plates came on there. Nah, I might as well leave. That's about, that's about time, to, <laughs> about time um, to go is a rest day anyway don't need to do this workout <laughs> um what's somebody you're picking grace yeah i would pick grace i think grace is one of my favorite i mean personally uh definitely a more enjoyable experience for me i think the isabel workout is fun it's just very different for me it's a, a much more controlled single type of workout um grace I can drop the hammer a little bit more and really try to put up a, a very fast time. Have you guys ever done double grace, the 60 repetition version of it? Yeah. D doubles, doubles kind of for little kids. We do quadruple grace pretty often <laughs> at tilt. So um, yeah, we've done, I've done double grace. It's even more fun because talk about just all singles, which is uh, my language. If you're doing single repetitions on a barbell, sign me up. 22.3 i did all singles even on the 95 pound bar really 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 remember the time that ben bergeron so when kevin montoya was training at crossfit new england the game is gamers oh kevin yes. montoya would game every single workout 
to the millisecond. I mean, this guy yep. was breaking down the workout in his cranium probably for hours prior. And one of the things that, <clears throat> you know, Ben really prided himself on, I believe as a coach was like putting you into some discomfort. And a lot of times when Kevin Montoya was doing workouts, he looked fairly comfortable and was successful on a lot of workouts. But I believe Ben <laughs> took away Kevin's ability to game workouts for a while. He said, you cannot, I want you to essentially implode during this workout. I want you to go out too fast. I want you to finish too fast. I do not want any gaming of this workout. Really, so really interesting. This actually started with the open workout that was power snatches at 75 pounds and double unders. And Kevin built a training bar. So he had a 15 pound bar with 25 pound plates and fives. And I think he did the whole workout as singles to start. He tested it that way. And after that, I think the the next workout that I remember Ben putting like a governor on Kevin was we were doing fight gone bad. And like Ben had to like revamp the whole workout. So there was no way that Kevin could game it. I, I mean, I, I loved training with, with Montoya. He was like, I can just remember doing Christine with him and like hammering the row and thinking like, I'm really gonna, I'm really going to put one on Kev here. And Kev was like rolling like a two Oh two the whole time. <laughs> and then did like, you know, you know, did the fastest touch and go deadlifts you ever seen rebound every box jump and just left me, uh, left me in the dust. So. Yeah, great guy, Kevin. What a what a what a smart competitor. Um, but I I have a question because we're talking about Isabel and Grace. Like you have a five minute workout. You're coaching that in class. Like, how do you fill the time? Do you do you need to do like something extra? Is Grace enough? Like, what are our thoughts on that? Because I definitely I definitely have some thoughts thoughts on this, but would love to hear from uh, two amazing coaches. Um, so I, we've talked about this a little bit in the past on, on different occasions. I, I, I actually really like this conversation because I think it not only will highlight your skills as a trainer, um, because you should be able to make any full class, uh, any workout, a full class experience, no matter what's assigned to you. If you consider yourself a really great CrossFit coach and trainer, you should be able to take anything that anybody gives you essentially barring just some sort of nonsense, like, Oh, do one pull up. You know, if somebody gives you a five minute workout with, um, you know, 135 bar pound barbell, you should be able to put together an experience that gives the athletes, you know, a really great warm uh, some skills to think about, maybe some strategy, you know, potentially a cool down or a finisher after the workout, you should be able to strategize that in your own head. But I think at NC fit, one of the things that we've done, um, and this is part of our programming philosophy a little bit is that we will create some of that architecture around the workout. So we will never just program just a five minute workout. We don't want to leave it to chance essentially that we put something out there. That's that short, that, coaches who might not have the experience or might not have the, the chops to put together a full 60 minute class that falls flat for the athletes that day. So we will create things around it, whether or not we, we are creating a more elaborate warm up or an extended warm up or a strength or skill session or a technique session or a cool down or a finisher. So essentially we're, we're giving the coaches the blueprint to run a class like that. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think, my belief on it now would be that I would rather see a couple of pieces around that five minute workout rather than just see the five minute workout on paper. I think for most coaches, most of the time, they'll have more success with having the building blocks around it than just looking at, oh, I have a five minute AMRAP and now I need to figure this out. Little, little one mile time trial, something like that. I'm kidding. <laughs> 30 muscle ups for time. I think that that's a really interesting example of how, like, if that's the only thing that's on paper that day, do a lot of coaches end up struggling bringing together a 60 minute class that day? Shit. I needed, I need an hour and a half to coach that. I need longer. I'm trying to, I'm trying to go longer on the 30 muscle ups, but I have some thoughts on, on grace. Connor, what are your thoughts? 
we spoke about this last time in the in the unrecovered podcast with Matt and with James and the unrecovered podcast. Thank th- thank God the lost tapes. I think we all um I think we all agree on this and I think from the three of us again I don't want to like toot my own horn or sound like like I'm arrogant but anyway you could program any workout single 2 minute 1 minute I mean realistically with with someone like Max or you you could program the workout as being one pull up and we can figure it out. However, <laughs> I think too many coaches are giving too many other coaches or programmers credit enough to be able to figure that out. Mm. So I do think that, you know, James asked that. He was like, if I if on crossfit.com instead of it just being grace, if it gave the blueprint of we're going to work on you know, here's a function of the clean, here's a function of rebounding off the shoulder, Here's a function of stringing these reps together. Now you're going to yeah. build past the weight you're going to use for the workout. Then you're going to hit it. And then afterwards, if you have time, we can spend five minutes to try to build back up to that super compensation weight just to kind of grease the groove of that. Like if you put that out there, what we would naturally do, and I'm not saying every time, you can, we can, you know, I can split grace a thousand different ways. I can even have it be a completely different stimulus depending on how I want to approach it with my athletes. Mm, yeah, I like that. However, the knowledge base isn't quite as up to par, I think, across the board. And I think that's one of the major issues of a lot of the things that I'm doing, what I was just working with the CrossFit media team and doing is it's like, well, we have all of these, you know, you have Max Isaac doing the workout brief and then hitting the workout and giving all this information. And then someone who's a new coach who just says they're level one, they're like, okay, here's the workout, uh, go. So I, I think that with the more structure you can bring, the coaches are going to take their creative freedom. You can give me a one-hour lesson plan where everything is planned out to a T and say, here's your class. I'm going to coach it the way I want to anyways. I'm going to take some of that stuff and we can do mm. continuity across other classes, but I'm going to sprinkle in my own spice in there. But it's because we've all been coaching for over a decade and we have enough experience in running this probably both really well and very, very poorly. I love Grace as a workout and have done it in a thousand different ways in affiliates whether you're building up, whether you're adding stuff, whether you have skill work or whether it's really, Hey, I'm going to get you so warm for this workout. It's going to be the only thing that you need to do. So I I love it. I love it. And I love the creativity of it that it allows when you have the knowledge base to prime and prep your athletes in multiple ways for different classes. I, I agree with that. I like what you just said, which is sometimes short workouts are the best thing ever to, to be creative in your lesson planning, you know, like, hearing hearing what you talked about Connor you know I actually have that same thing today I'm coaching the workout which is you know a build-up round where essentially where we're doing you know 10 minutes of building where it's like five five four four three three two two one one we're going heavier I love the idea of you know teaching the clean teaching the jerk then teaching the CrossFit specific movement of the rebounding clean and jerk you know that is something that's incredibly unique to CrossFit you know and then being able like to MDV's point to layer in like some of the nuancey things that you're thinking about when cycling a barbell, like, Hey, instead of having our feet start right underneath the hips, we're going to bring the feet slightly wider. So they're not constantly jumping in and out. Like there are all these different layers. And when you have, you know, a shorter workout, it gives these more experienced coaches uh, a chance to, to do that. But Mm. you know, the other thing, the other thing that you all are talking about, which is if you, if you don't have that experience, you know, using something like NC fit, using something like cap or, or other, um, other lesson planning programs is incredibly important for, for younger coaches, you know, to, to be able to glean a couple of things from, from these lesson plans to try and, to try and put in. So I think that for, for younger coaches, a five minute workout can be, uh, can be nerve wracking. And for, you know, more, more experienced coaches, it's, it's incredibly exciting. But that also makes me think like that that's probably why we see over program 60 minute classes. You know, why, why, you know, if, if you're, if you're a younger coach, if you're a younger affiliate, if you're a younger gym owner, you know, you're really trying to cram as much as you can into 60 minutes because you don't essentially have to coach. You can just push people through it, you know? Um, sorry, MDV. Looking no, here. no, no. It's uh, th- I think you're a hundred percent correct. I think, I think that there's a, a balance though. You know, I think that there's a balance between, um, under programming and over programming obviously i think 
what you said is correct though, in terms of over programming assignments for your athletes during a 60 minute period, it's much easier to hide technical deficiencies of inexperienced trainers or less talented trainers when you're simply shuttling people around a room to different stations without any time to actually teach or demonstrate or guide them on what they should be doing or how they should be doing it. You know, a good example of this would be like, uh, you get right into the room and then there's like a station to station warm up. Then you go from the station to station warm up right into like some gymnastics work where you're doing push-ups and, and pull-ups. Then you go from the gymnastics work right into the barbell work where you're building up a front squat. Then you go right in from the front squat into the workout where it's push-ups, pull-ups, and front squats in the workout. Then you finish the workout and you have, you know, a cool down and you have uh, or a finisher afterwards. And that's 60 minutes worth of time. There was no time in that built timeline that I just explained to really have the coach dive into any of the nuance of the movements or guide the athletes. And, you know, as I'm kind of speaking this out loud, you could have an experienced trainer run people through that same, uh, same kind of set of things there and, and, and do it really wonderfully and, and have them, you know, have the movements demonstrated, give them one or two quick points, move around the room, give the, the, the athletes some, some coaching and some, some correcting as they're doing the, the different assignments. But if you're just standing there and going, all right, station one, all right, station two, all right, station three, you're just a, you're just a traffic conductor at that point and moving people from, from one to the next. Um, you know, the Max, you also brought up the, the NC fit system, the coaching development system that we have, and then also the cap system. And, I think that a lot of gym owners should look into exploring those things because it will, even if it's just for a short period of time, it will give you and your coaches the understanding of like what an actual lesson plan for a class can look like, as opposed to, I, it, it takes so much time and resources to put these things together that like, it's very difficult to put that just on one owner in their own gym to write a lesson plan for every single workout that they're going to do. And often, often I think the expectation for coaches, they don't, they don't fully understand how to put that stuff together unless they learn it. I wish this stuff was around when we were coming up to learn these things a little bit more quickly, as opposed to having to learn them through trial and error. Um, and I think, you know, me, Max, me and you, we could talk about this a little bit here. We did have the benefit of seeing people like Ben Bergeron and Heather Bergeron, E.C. Sinkowski, go out there and run classes, whether or not they knew it at the time that they were doing it or not, they were running classes well-planned and on a timeline that made sense and not just saying like, oh, here's the workout, get after it, you know? Right. I think um, one thing that you're talking about, which I've always kind of had the benefit of, and you know, you have as well being at Reebok and you know, being at NC Fit and Connor has as well is you watch other great coaches coach. And if you're uh, a younger, a younger affiliate, you don't get to see as, as many coaches coach and you really, you know, only experience your own coaching. So I, I agree, you know, if you're, if you're essentially, you know, running an affiliate on your own or you're, you're a newer affiliate and you're newer coaches, you either need to be going somewhere else to take class which can be really hard if you're the only one running a gym or there's all these wonderful services, like you said, NC fit, you know, we talk about, you know, cap um, those exist for, for a reason, which you said, it's like, Hey, this may not be something that you're going to do forever, but it's, it's such a fabulous resource. And, you know, like, I think we've said this a million times, like you don't realize that like you're in the good times until like the good times are over, but like, you know, my experience at CrossFit New England and, you know, your experience there and Connor, your experience at Reebok and our experience just over the last 10 years, you don't realize how it's shaping you until mm. you're, you're able to take a look back or see like what other stuff is out there and be like, wow, okay, cool. Like these people were doing it for a long time. I was lucky enough to, to see what that was like, but then also able to, to own the material myself, you know, and mm. that's something that, you know, you, you and Connor have, have done to the highest level, you know, being part of, you know, CrossFit seminar staff that, that gives you a whole nother layer of, of experience that makes your classes that much better. So I think, um, 
if you are like like I said, you're a younger coach and you're looking for you know more ideas, more experience, a good thing is possibly one of these services or taking class somewhere else or shoot. I mean, on the internet right now, like anything's available, so I'm sure you can find tons tons of great examples. But yeah, uh, I, I mean, I feel very fortunate that when I was coming up in in coaching and and just learning, I was benefiting from seeing people run amazing classes nine times out of 10. You know, I, I mean, I, I was not around a lot of coaches that were subpar. And right. when I was, I was able to see Connor's got to take off your guys. He's got some stuff going on with the UFC and Mr. Dana White. Guys, thank you for having me on. Wish I could say the whole time, but you guys are on to an awesome topic and I'm actually looking forward to listening to the rest of this later. So thank you guys. Connor, so thanks for joining us, man. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Later. But um, when I when I did see less than ideal classes run, I was like, oh man, I there's such a stark difference. There's such a stark difference between a really great class, one that ha- has intention and the coach is invested, and whether or not you agree with how they are teaching the movements or you agree with like the piece of the movement that they chose to focus on, I think is a whole nother story. But there's a big difference between a well-run, well-oiled class and a class that is obviously unprepared. The coach is not invested, not involved. And that's even like, even if that coach who's not invested and not involved, even if they say something that's like technically correct, I'm always choosing the coach on the other side of the equation who looks like they actually put some thought into this. They put some care into what they were going to present that day. Even if they're saying something that I go, oh, well, I might have approached it a little bit differently. Well, yeah, I think actually I, I, I really like this point because sure, there, there are progressions that are laid out from CrossFit HQ for the nine foundational movements and, and for other movements and progressions that, that, that you've been taught. Right. And I view it the same way that we talk about queuing athletes. Like the best cue is the one that works. And a lot of the best progressions are the progressions that actually work, right? Like if you have, you know, if you have your own proprietary blend of, you know, way to teach the thruster and it works, but it's a little bit different than, you know, you know, whatever was laid out by CrossFit HQ, go with the one that works, you know, um, the, and then, and then truly the, the biggest pitfall that you can get into as a coach is always using the same progression, you know? So yeah. listen, you, you always need to have, you know, I, I always talk about like having these things in like your back pocket or in like your coaching Rolodex, right? Like, Hey, this is a great toto bar progression that, that I like to use. But if you're always using the same toto bar progression, the members are bored. They're not seeing anything new. And like, Oh, well, here we go. We're going to do five strict knee raises again. So you have to be able to have, you know, whatever the standard list is for yourself that you've developed because that works, but then your goal is, is to add in little wrinkles, you know, because, um, while new athletes will, will really love the progression because it works for them. How are you going to keep like your veteran athletes involved in class? You know, in the way that I, the way that I always look at this, and I talk to, I talk to my coaches about are read the room. Like, are your, or are your athletes participating in your warmups? How many athletes do you have that suddenly their shoes are untied and every time you're going through a progression or people are using the bathroom during, during your progression, right? I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. Like this is, this is some stuff where if, if, if people aren't feeling your stuff or, you know, they're, they're not going through the full thing, like you have to be able to, you have to be able to take a hard look at, at your class and see like, are people actually enjoying participating in my class? I mean, I, I agree with you. I think some of that also is how engaging are you or how, how methodical are you in terms of how you're running that progression? Are you actually yeah, making yep. it meaningful for the athletes? Because you could also be running a very simple progression and be doing it with a lot of intention or highlighting certain things or controlling the group in a way that keeps everybody engaged. Yeah. Yeah. I think just like, you know, the classic example would be like a barbell warm up that a coach kind of runs through mindlessly where they're like, okay, five deadlifts. No. Okay. 
five hang power cleans. Okay. Five elbow punches. Okay. Five front squats. Okay. Five strict press. Okay. I hate that. Yeah. I mean, I'm running through it kind of ad lib because I've, I've seen and heard it so many times. It's so, it's something that everybody utilizes, but there's a way to obvious, there's also a way to do that, that you can highlight different portions of those movements and make it more educational for the athletes or put them in certain positions, hold them for a little bit, you know, get them to feel it out and then get them to move. Um, you know, I think this is, Coaching involves, I think, a layer of being able to understand, like you said, what your athletes both need and want. And right. you, know, you should be thinking about that when you walk into your, your group class that day and look at your athletes in front of you. Obviously, you have a plan. You have something that you know that you want to uh, deliver to them. You have an understanding of like your general timeline, but also like taking a look at who's actually in front of you and then slightly angling your presentation to fit the wants and needs of those people is really important. That's some, that's some, that's some advanced coaching shit, MDV, like to, I mean, I truly, you know, for, for a young coach, like my advice for a young coach is write a lesson plan and just stick to it a hundred percent. Right. But like you said, as you, as you become, you know, more well-versed coach, yes. You know, you're, you're able to read the room. Right. And the 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 hardest thing for for any coach is to really have a mixed bag of athletes to to be able to coach. We're using the workout grace to to have the workout grace and to have the day one athlete and to have the the, the 10 year athlete in that class. I mean, if you're a new coach like that, that is possibly one of the hardest scenarios right yeah. because you have to be able to you have to be able to tell the day one athlete hey you're going to be going from position one never call it position one you're going to bend your knees slightly you're going to jump twice you're going to jump the bar to your shoulder and jump the bar overhead and then can you go ahead and give give that 10 year athlete hey your goal right now is i want you to hold on for 15 plus reps i want you to work on you know whatever it is for for cycling so i think that um you know reading the room you know understanding what your athletes need really really, really hard stuff. And one thing that I don't want to let go is that, you know, the, the barbell warmup can be effective. Mm. Um, it, it, but here's my thing, right? Like, let's say in, in the workout, you're, you're doing the workout DT, right. And your barbell, your barbell warmup consists of deadlifts, hang power cleans, all this other stuff. Well, so, so what you're going to have them deadlift and hang power clean, in in this mindless barbell warm-up and then what you're going to get them to focus in on the deadlift and the hang power clean for a skill piece like there there needs to be more intention right like you can certainly have you know a a, like a barbell warm-up i wouldn't teach the barbell warm-up uh the the barbell warm-up with with a deadlift and a hang power clean when i'm about to touch on those movements for for that skill portion today right you know maybe maybe you're doing something like hey we're going to start with a romanian deadlift and you're going to talk a little bit about what that romanian deadlift is what the difference is between those two movements right maybe instead of a hang power clean you're going to go with something more like hang muscle clean you're going to talk about the benefit of keeping the barbell close and punching the elbows through but one of my biggest pet peeves is you're going through one of these like you know warm-ups and it has you know the the full movement that you're about to go over because essentially what you're doing is like, you're going to have them go through it mindlessly. And then you're going to tell them we're going to focus on it. That's hard for me. Yeah. So the, uh, in that example, you're saying that <clears throat> you have, let's say in the warm up that is a little bit less guided. You have athletes yeah. doing some deadlifts and you have them doing hang power cleans. And then you have them doing maybe a push press. Maybe you don't have them going all the way to a push jerk yet, but you have them doing right, a, right, a push right. press movement. And then afterwards you have a skill session that highlights certain points. I could understand how that can be challenging for you um, in, in understanding why you might do that. But I also, there, I think there is another side. I think that, you know, if, if you're having the athletes just go through the motions with certain movements at a light enough load, if yep. they're just going through the motions or even using different equipment, maybe they're just using a med ball or a pair of dumbbells or whatever. Okay, or, you know, I like that. Bottle. I think that you can gain some 
awareness, some kinesthetic awareness. You can gain some knowledge about the movement. You're certainly going to grease the groove that you're going to then move into when you're going to teach the more detailed version of the movement to the athletes. But I think overall, the, the point that we're both making is that, you know, mindlessly going through anything um, right. usually doesn't work out that well in, in the class environment. And it's so difficult. It really is a difficult assignment to go out there and coach a class, um, in a group setting, because you have so many variables that you have to account for. You have so many things that could show up the day of that you do not know are going to, to happen. And, yeah, you know, you can solve some of that stuff by having class reservations and knowing who's in your class and checking the roster beforehand. But like, I think having having the ability to deal with one-off situations is something that <clears throat> coaches who are really talented, I think, do it effortlessly. But if you're if you're a newer coach, if you're somebody who struggles with that kind of stuff, just having your lesson plan prepared on what you want to say about the workout, the movements, what you're going to highlight that day will make it so much easier to deal with those curveballs that get thrown your way because you, you're not thinking about the general stuff that you know that you have to do that day. Right. The outliers become a lot easier to handle. Yeah. Man, coaching's tough, man. I, 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 was, <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question, um, you and Connor, a question this morning. Maybe I'll ask it to you now. You know, when you're taking somebody who is very, very green, who's newer to this stuff, and then putting them in the, the hot seat, how much are you kind of guiding them on a daily basis versus letting them figure some of this stuff out on them on their own? Yeah, so I'm a, I treat new coaches the same way that I treat new athletes. So my goal is to give them one thing to focus on, and it may be one thing to focus on for the entire week. Mm. And I re really want to make sure that we're not rushing the process. You know, be, 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 being able to become a class coach it's incredibly difficult. Like you said, there are so many variables and so many different things to think about that it's, it's the same thing as a new athlete. It's so easy to overload somebody. I want you to focus on this and I want you to focus on this. And I need to focus on this and don't forget about this, that um, a, as a coach, it's, it's overwhelming and you can start to feel really defeated. So whenever we have, whenever we have new coaches, it's, we're focusing on truly like the, the simplest things to start. So huge focus for, for, for a brand new coach, getting your class out on time. Big like, time, big time focus. So, so, so <clears throat> let's, let's just focus on starting and finishing on time because what you need to start to build is buy-in from the members. So if you're a new coach and you're consistently getting your members out late, the members like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with Max? Yeah. Like this guy, this guy's new. Like, does he know that I need to go to work? Like also, why are we starting like five minutes late? So with a new coach, your goal for the first week could be like, Hey, can we, can we start and finish on time? We start doing that. It's like, now let's start. Like now we can start moving on to, to other things. Right. And it's, again, it's like triaging any movement. Like let's, let's start with the biggest thing and then move on to the small, you know, to the smaller things. But, um, you know, I think that, like you said, co coaching is, is really hard. The other thing that I let every single new coach know is that you are working at an imperfect craft. So you're, you are working towards, you know, a goal that you may never hit mm. in that. And again, I think we've, we've said this before, but like you go ahead and tell me like you've coached the perfect class. Like you may just be done coaching, like, because you, you're telling me that you've like, a, you've, you've done it. Like you've accomplished the thing. Like, Hey, I just, I just coached the best class ever. You know, like, I, you know, I, I this is my masterpiece. I don't, and again, I, I don't think that exists. And I, and I say this to every single new coach is, you know, over 10 years of coaching, I've coached some really, really good classes. I've never coached a perfect class. There are always things when I finish, I'm like, 
oh, I can make that like a little bit better. It's why I love being able to coach back-to-back classes. You coach a back-to-back class, your second class is always going to be better than your first, right? And then shoot, you More coach three in a row even sure. better. You coach four in a row even better. Coach seven in a row. That's that's the best scenario. The seventh <laughs> class is just the absolute best. But um, but what's no, your max? What's your max number of classes in a row these days? What what what's your tolerance for coaching classes in a row? Are you a uh, three? Can you, can you do three? Three. Um, shoot, first year we were in business at Tilt. I coached every class. I was talking to one of my members about this the other day. We just celebrated the the seventh birthday of of tilt and i remember congratulations um, thanks my man my my first year first year coaching i drank more coffee than water by by far tons of coffee coached every class seven days a week at the affiliate um and it was it was an insane you know year 18 months but um i definitely don't have that type of um intestinal fortitude to deal with you know to, to to coach that that many classes but i still coach three in a row pretty regularly and you know we'll coach four classes in a day like that's i don't know i i also am a big believer in like walking the walk you yeah know, right now we're doing we're doing a lot of coaching development we're working with a lot of new coaches showing them like hey you know this is this is how we run classes this is an example of of how things are done and then also having you know younger coaches watch your class and then after the class being like you know hey what feedback do you have for me what are the things that i did well what are some things that i could do better and then also being able to call yourself out for things that things that you could do better you know mm-hmm. like i i you know example is i coached a class like uh a week or two ago and i gave you know con- conflicting verbiage for how how i was going to cue reps right and you know instead of using go, I was, you know, using something uh, who, who knows, who knows what I was using, but it actually caused um, things to not move as, as smoothly. And after the class, I called that out for myself. I'm like, yeah, you know, I messed that up. I, I used the, used the wrong words there. And then it, it created um, a little disconnect with the members. I'm like, that's something that I definitely need to do better. Um, that, and that's important for young coaches to see that, that we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for you to, to be better and work and work on, you know, making your craft a little bit better. Mm. really really solid advice and and some great lessons there you know i just had the had the benefit of speaking to our uh, our coaching team this past weekend and uh, we had presentations from a couple of our other coaches who are are pretty high up on the the totem pole in terms of their uh not only status at the company but also skill level but one of the things that we talked about was just our development philosophy for coaches at nc fit and what we think about in terms of development. And, I, you know, we've been talking about this, this whole episode, the base of the development pyramid, aside from your, your baseline knowledge, aside from your baseline certificate knowledge, your knowledge of the actual movements, your knowledge of teaching, seeing, correcting, group management, presence and attitude, all that kind of stuff. The, the core philosophy of the CrossFit level one, that has to, that's a given. You have to have yeah. that. You have to know it. You have to be revisiting it often, but Aside from that, the base of the the pyramid is always for me going to be self-study, preparation, and self-reflection. Yeah. Simply cannot rely on anybody or any anything else to develop you as a coach. Everything is layered on top of that. You could be a part of a great system that has formal feedback. You could be around great coaches that you get to observe and you get to take their classes. But the most important thing to do, if you're a coach out there, or you're somebody who wants to coach is to invest heavily in the development of yourself as a great Ooh. coach and to that's, prepare that's, that's, every single day. That's hard for some people to hear right now. I, it, but I mean, think about anything else in life. Like think about, think about studying for a test or think about, Right. You know, your development uh, as an athlete, like no one can do the work for you. I, I, I totally, totally wholeheartedly agree with what you just said. I, I just think it's, I think sometimes that's hard for people to hear because yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow. Right. Because it's on you, but that's, but shoot, man, that's in, in the coaching profession, it is on you. And to me, that's the best thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, I think that you, if you look at it the right way, or if you look at it in a positive way, I should say, that's a, 
you have all of the opportunity there. You have mm-hmm. the opportunity to to develop yourself or to turn yourself into whatever you'd want that to be, as opposed to waiting around for it to happen by chance or waiting around for it to happen by osmosis. You know, it's it's not something that happens, I think, just by pure chance or pure luck. Those things play a no. part in it for sure. Like you can be around great systems and great people and have the opportunity to see things and benefit from that. But like, you really have to be putting in the work yourself. Mr. Mac, we've been talking for a while here. I know that you got some stuff you got to do. What were you going to say before we wrap on up? Nothing, man. But you, I I heard you think that Alex Murdoch did it, dog. I heard, I I actually heard you think that he's innocent. (laughs) No, no, not that. I, I, my my wife and I took one look in that guy's eyes and we knew he was a killer and a scumbag. So hope hope everybody gets justice. It's been a well, good, I mean, an incredibly an incredibly sad story of uh, the Murdoch murders. But two documentaries, one on Netflix, one on HBO Max, uh, both a little bit different. Chronicle this uh, Southern family that kind of ruled by an iron fist for many, many decades. And then it all fell apart. And um, very sadly, Alex Murdaugh was convicted of killing his, both his wife and his son. Um, I mean, the motive seems to be the fact that he wanted to cover up a lot of financial crimes that he had committed over a very long period of time. So I'm sure oh, there's yeah. some more stuff that's going to come out about this over time, but both uh, good watches if you're a true crime junkie. Mr. Max, anything else here? That's it, baby. Go Horns. Hook Love you, horns. buddy. Texas and Talk the NCAA soon. tournament. Let's Bye-bye. go. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.